Bible this morning to speak about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done for us, praise God, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest man ever, the greater designer. The Bible says without him was not anything made that was made. He's not just the creator, but he's the savior. He's the one that loved us so much that as I read this morning, he went to a cross of shame for us because he loved us. You know, today there's a lot of people there just walking by, maybe never thinking about God, never thinking about eternity. Too busy in life, too busy with things. There's a lot of good things in life, a lot of fun things in life. There's a wonderful thing just to pause in life and to stop and to think about the most important thing. You know, a week ago Saturday, a friend of mine had a massive stroke at my house. Uh, totally unexpected. You know, and life is unexpected like that. There's things that might happen in your life. If you, you didn't know it was coming, if you knew it was coming, you prepare. One thing that we know from the Bible is that death is certain. There's, the Bible says it's appointed to men once to die, but after that, the judgment. You know, it's important for us to get ready for that day so that when we die, when we stand before God, we have something to say other than to God, God, I'm sorry, I was too busy. God, I'm sorry, I was too into my alcohol, my drugs, and my things like that. Far better on that day to say, God, I'm prepared to stand before you because, God, I picked up your book, the book of all books, and I read it, and I learned about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior that died on the cross for my sin. Oh, friend, as there have been a time in your life when you paused in life and you started to think about things that really matter, no praise God for a job that puts some food on the table. Praise God for family that's put some joy into our life. But, but the thing that is most needed in our hearts and our lives is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a soul that is an eternal soul. Those that believe in evolution think that their body uh, is the main thing. But I'll tell you this, the Bible speaks about man having a soul, that who we are is not our body. Somebody can have a heart transplant to get off that table to the same person. You know why? Because our, our body is not who we are. Our body is just a tabernacle. And I'll tell you this, a lot of times this tabernacle takes a beating. This tabernacle uh, gets sick or this tabernacle gets beat up. Praise God, there's something that is beyond this for our soul if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. You know, the Bible says about Jesus, He came to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. Jesus Christ uh, is greater than drugs. Jesus Christ is great, greater than drink. He's greater than the wicked pleasures of sin that are just for a season. Jesus Christ satisfies that inner desire that is in the heart of men that nothing else can satisfy. God designed us to walk with Him in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that God created man in His own image. God would come down into that garden in the cool of the evening and He'd walk with Adam and Eve until that day that Adam and Eve transgressed God's law. You might not know about that. You might think about that tree as being an apple tree, but it was not an apple tree. The Bible says it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said to Adam and Eve, you could see of all the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat thereof. For the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You know, God warned man. God told us that death, sorrow, sickness is a consequence of sin. And yet, Adam and Eve were in the garden. They did what you and I have done. Uh, Eve looked with covetousness at that fruit. She thought it was good to eat. Uh, she wondered what would happen if she partook of that fruit. And she ate of it. And mankind's innocence was lost. Adam and Eve became sinners just like you and I. You might think today, well, I'm a good person then. You know, I try to be kind to my neighbor. I try to do good things. But I'll tell you this. One thing I know about every single one of us today is that we're all sinners. Sin is a transgression of the law. Anybody that violates God's law is a sinner. And it's like a chain. If you break a chain in one place, the Bible says you break the law in one point, you're guilty of all. You, break, you may not murder somebody. You may not commit adultery. But you might be just like me. And that's a sinner. Somebody that has broken God's law. Not in one place, but many places. What's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that, the Bible says, is for the wages of sin is death. The punishment for our sin is death. And what the Bible is not just speaking about physical death, but the Bible is speaking about an eternal death in the lake of fire. It's very sad that many today don't care about that. They laugh about that. But I'll tell you this, I had somebody laugh about hell this past week. And I said to them, you would not stand at the towers that burned down in London and laugh when the victims of those families that burned and perished in that fire or when those victims were burning in that fire and laugh at them. Why? Because fire is not funny. Somebody's suffering is not funny. Somebody's spending uh, hell, their life in hell for all eternity is not funny. I'll tell you this. Those that laugh at hell are laughing at the people that have died and are in hell today. They are perishing for all eternity because they did not heed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
any person in hell today would beg somebody to come back and to plead with you to begin to think seriously about God, to begin to consider life. And I understand today, on a nice sunny day, on a Saturday, the week is done. And, and I understand that people don't want to think about heavy things. But can I tell you this? Heaven is a great thing to think about. The love of God is a great thing to think about. Escaping the fires of hell for all eternity is a great thing to think about. It would be great for some people today just to stop and pause in their life and begin to say to God, Oh God, if you exist, God, prove it to me. I'll tell you this, God is not afraid of that prayer. God is not uh, worried up in heaven today that if you ask him to prove himself to you, that somehow he'd be unable to do this. The Bible says that heaven declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter its speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. That means this today, that everywhere around the world there is evidence today of a creator designer God. A God that made us, a God that loves us, a God that cares about us. A God of hope. There are people today that unknowns to many of us that are here right now. There could be people passing by that are contemplating suicide. They're thinking there is no hope in this life. They've been told that, that evolution is true. They've been told that when they die, that's it. And they think, you know what? I'll just go ahead and take my life then. Because if I die and I go into nothing, that's better than what I've got here. But can I tell you again from the Word of God, that's not what the Word of God teaches. That's a lie of the devil to think that you can escape this life and enter into eternity and be fine. The Bible says it's appointed that the man wants to die, but after that, the judgment. Again, very sadly today, that person, if they took their life, would spend eternity in hell. I had the joy, by the grace of God, of helping somebody recently that was suicidal, recently that was very close to taking their life. The instrument of death was in their house. They were ready to do that fatal act. But can I tell you this, by the grace of God, God had to talk to them about Jesus Christ. That man not only is alive today physically, but that man, by the grace of God, is alive spiritually. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. You know what he found? He found the peace, the joy, the happiness that he couldn't find in life. Friend, that's where it's at. It's not in drugs. You might have been at the pub last night. I'll tell you this, if you were there, you got a headache this morning. You may have vomited last night. You may have committed some sin that you didn't think you were going to commit last night because of the wickedness of the drink or the drugs or the things that you put in your body because you went to the pub. I'll tell you this, somebody that goes to a church, not just a church, but a good church, a church that believes the Bible. Is somebody that's a wise person. Jesus Christ said, He that heareth my words and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock, and the storms came, and that house stood. For somebody that despises this book, the Bible says about that person that they're building their house on the sand, and when the storm comes, their house is going to fall down. Christ doesn't want that. The greatest thing in the heart of God today for you is that you turn to Him in love. The greatest thing in the heart of God today is that you look up at your Creator, that you look up at your Redeemer, that you see the cross as it stands and the Savior is sacrificed there on that cross of sin for your, uh, uh, of shame for your sin. And I'll tell you this, if you look at that cross, you can be saved. Jesus said Himself, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Jesus Christ has the power today. You might say to me, Ben, I've never thought about God, never considered God, never gave God the time of day. But I'll tell you this, God uh, is ready to do a great work in your life. There was a man in the Bible whose name was the Apostle Paul. We know him as that. Before that, he, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus hated Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus would put Christians to death. He would commit them to prison, both men and women. But God arrested Saul on the road to Damascus. He saw Jesus Christ. He heard Jesus Christ. And Christ said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Oh, today, friend, you might be somebody that your life is so against God. It's like you're kicking God. You're kicking Christ. You're abusing Christ. You want nothing to do with God. But I'll tell you this. Jesus Christ wants something to do with you. Jesus Christ cares for you today. There's a God in heaven today that loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God desires you to have that life. And again, as I spoke about a second ago, Christ came that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. God is not against you, God is for you. God knows that the things that you're defending in your life are the very things that are destroying your life. Immorality destroys life. STDs 
destroy life. Drugs destroy life. Drink destroys life. You walk with me down at Princess Street Gardens, you look at the men whose lives have been destroyed by drugs, drink, and those uh, wicked vices that have gone into their life. Others today are struggling with Others today are struggling with gambling. Others today have an addiction to gambling. They're losing their house. They're losing their family. It's hurting them. God knows that sin hurts. The Bible says that the end of sin is death. Uh, you can believe the devil's lie if you want. I pray eternally be wise enough to look at it and say this today. Does the pump really help me to be a better man? Does that drug really help me to be a better man? or a better mother, or a better father? Does that ungodliness that's in my life, that immorality, make me a better mom, a better dad, a better son, a better granddad? I'll tell you this, you know, it'd be a wise generation that wakes up and looks at the Bible and says the word of God has the answer. God has the answer. Why? Because God has the power to change life, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. The Bible says about a man in Christ, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you want to restart in your life, the best way is to be born again, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The best thing you could possibly do is to roll back the clock and have God roll off the sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You can clean up the outside, friend, but you cannot clean up the inside. There's nothing that a man could do today to clean his heart. The Bible says, Will thou wash me with nitre and take thee much soap? Yet thine iniquity is washed before me, saith the Lord. That sin cannot be erased by goodness. It doesn't get erased by religion. It doesn't get erased by baptism. The only thing that can wash away the sin that's in our heart and in our life is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But through the shed blood of Jesus, God has the power today to cleanse your soul. God says it this way. He says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God does not want us to keep our sin. God does not want that burden to be upon us. And it is a burden. A good read as a family, other than this book, the book of all books would be the book that John Bunyan, Bunyan wrote that book called Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan was in prison for his faith. He was a preacher back in the 1500s that was put in prison for preaching the gospel, for preaching the truth of the word of God. There he wrote that, that story about a man that had a burden on his back, his name, Pilgrim. Pilgrim had that burden. What was the burden? The burden was his sin. If you're walking around today and you've got your drugs, you've got your drink, you've got your immorality, I'll tell you this, you're carrying a burden. You may not recognize it for what it is, but that guilty conscience and that heaviness on your soul, that recognition that your heart is not right in the sight of a holy God is a tremendous burden. You try to escape that by drink. You try to escape that by drugs. You try to escape that by cigarettes. You try to escape that by immorality. It doesn't work, but I'll tell you, it works when you go to the cross and you look at the Lord Jesus Christ and you recognize that that Savior died on that cross of shame for your sin. That works today, my friend. That takes it away. Oh, praise God today. He has the power. The Bible says about His ability to take away our sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. If you go north on the globe, you go south. If you go south, you go north. But east and west never touch. And God says, I have the power to take your sin completely away from you. God has that power today. But that power is through the humility of a human heart that bows before God and says, Oh God, I don't understand why you love me so much that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sin. But oh God, I bow the knee before you acknowledge that your almighty God, that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, died there for me on that cross of shame. And, and humble your heart and say, By the grace of God, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Friend, has there ever been a time in your life where you look with faith at Calvary, where you look with faith at the Son of God. I'll tell you this, those that don't believe this book understand this. This book is all about Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the most famous person in human history. Every, every year we celebrate the birthday of who? Jesus Christ. Our calendar is dated by whose life? Jesus Christ. When men curse and they take God's name in vain, whose name do they take? Jesus Christ, why? Because He is who He says He is. He is the very Son of God. He is the God of God. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. And He died on that cross of shame for our sins. Well, praise God today.
It would be amazing today if somebody that had a very low, humble existence would die on the cross for you. But I'll tell you this, that the King of all eternity, the Lord of glory, the Son of God, God in flesh, took your sin upon Him on the cross. There on that cross, our Savior cried out those words. He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'll tell you this, you might feel God forsaken in this life, but I promise you, according to the truth of the word of God, you are not. At any moment in this life, you could cry out to God and say, God, I don't deserve it that you love me. I don't deserve it that you died for me. I don't deserve your care. I don't deserve your concern. And you can humble your heart, and God in his mercy would save you. But I'll tell you this, on the cross, Jesus Christ was God forsaken. Why? Because there on that cross of shame, Jesus Christ suffered. There on that cross of shame, Jesus Christ died. Why did he die? While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, if I could get one phrase into the hearts of men as they pass this place today, it would be this phrase, Christ died for me. Jesus Christ died for me. You know, the Bible says that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, God desires some parents to pick up the Bible, to begin to read it to their children, to begin to seek out a good church, not just any church, but a church that believes the Bible, a church that stands unashamedly with the truth of the Word of God and everything that God has said. I'll ask you today, why should we be ashamed of this book? Why should we be ashamed of the Creator, Designer's laws and what He gave to us? We ought to embrace them. We ought to uphold them. Why? Because He designed us. He made us. He gave us the manual of her life. He knows how it works. He knows that in His mercy, He's the remedy that can make things right in our life. And I'll tell you this today. If your life is not guided by this book, your life is not right in the sight of a holy God. And your life is nothing like what it could be by the grace of God if you took Jesus Christ as your Savior. It doesn't matter your age today. It's never too late to stop and to seek God. The Bible says, if you seek me, you shall find me. If you search with all your heart. All it takes today is somebody that would get serious and look at the map of the Word of God and begin to study this book and begin to think about it and say, all right, what does the Bible say about creation? What does the Bible say about the family? What does the Bible say about government? What does the Bible say about economics? What does the Bible say about life? Again, this book has everything that is needed in your life to make your life what it ought to be. But the sad thing today, despite the literacy of our day, people are biblically illiterate. There are so many in our society right now, and I don't say this to shame uh, anybody, but I'll tell you this, they can't begin to tell you anything about the Bible despite the fact that they can read. And that's sad. It's really sad to think of that person standing before God someday and they say, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about your love. I didn't know about Jesus Christ. I didn't know about this or that. And, and they might say, well, my parents, they didn't take me to church. My parents didn't teach me the Bible, the school, this and that. But I'll tell you this, any single one of us can pick up the Bible and begin to read it begin to study it on our own and it's never too late to stop in life and just go right it's time that i think about god it's time that i pull back a little bit i've been giving time to sport i've been giving time to the telly i've been giving time to social media i've been giving time to all these places and look it would not be a big deal to take a few minutes every day to read this book and i'll tell you if you read this book for 15 minutes every day in one year you'll finish the book it's not as long as you think. Pick up the Bible, begin to read it. Pick it up, begin to read it with your children. You know, uh, in the 1800s, Scotland was a great Christian nation. The names that we've got still in society today, Paul, John, James, Mary, Elizabeth. Why are these names so popular in Scotland? Because this nation was a Christian nation. The great-grandparents, the great-great-grandparents, the great-great-great-grandparents of this current generation believe this book. They unashamedly embrace this book. They cared enough about their families to take this precious book and to open it and to read it and to begin to study it and to begin to see that there is a God of love, that there is mercy, that there is hope. 
what was heard said to me when COVID-19 happened. This nation never called for a day of prayer. This nation never got on its knees and said, oh God, are you angry? Why is it that we have this worldwide pandemic taking place? Oh God, have we offended you? This nation never bowed the knee before God and started to think about God. And yet despite that in God's mercy, God reaches out and walks today. Despite that, the God in heaven is reaching out and saying, Oh, Scotland, begin to think about God. Begin to consider your ways. Begin to consider the truth. Oh, where's the nation that would bow the knee before God? Where's the nation that would stand up when ungodliness is being taught in our school? Ungodliness is being taught on social media. Ungodliness is a banner that's being waved and a plague that's being flown. And yet, where's the generation that stands up for the family? Where's the generation that stands up for life in the womb? Where's the generation that says, don't go to the pub, don't get into, involved in drink, get away from sexual immorality and promiscuity and, and guard your purity and guard your virginity and look at that and say, that's honorable. We live in a perverse generation that honors that which is ungodly. Pat somebody on the back if they go to the pub. Pat somebody on the back if they drink more. Pat somebody on the back if they gamble more and waste more of their living. But where's the generation that would say, I am glad that you picked up a Bible. I am glad that you're seeking God. I am glad that you're considering your ways in light of what the Word of God says. Oh, for a generation that would humble their hearts. Oh, for a generation that would bow the knee before Almighty God. Oh, for a generation that would consider the Word of God and the love of Almighty God and in their heart of hearts would begin to hear the whisper of the Spirit of God saying, uh, Jesus Christ is there for you. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the truth. Jesus Christ is the life. I praise God today what I don't see very often. I praise God. I don't see a lot of laughter about the Word of God. I praise God for that. But our lives are laughing at God. Our lives are mocking a holy God. We're living as if we're the only ones that can help us. That government has to meet our need. That educators have to meet our need. That social media has to meet our need. That the pub has to meet our need. And God's just going, hey, do you know what? I'm here. I'm ready. I can help you. I can meet your need as nobody else can. But again, where's the heart that would humble themselves and begin to seek God? Oh, for a generation that would look in the mirror and understand how very sinful they are. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What do we hear in this generation? Profanity like no other generation. Taking God's name in vain like no other generation. Bitterness, gossip, anger, lies, deceit, all the corruption that is in the heart of men comes out of our mouth. If we want to see ourselves as God sees us today, it'd be good for us to evaluate our speech. It'd be good for us to evaluate our actions. To begin to look at our life and say, is it good that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting all this pornography or drugs or drink uh, into my body and, and recognize the defilement that we're putting, not just into ourselves, but we have a generation that is rising up. They're addicted to vapes. They're addicted to pornography. They're addicted to social media. And parents don't care. Parents don't stop and think and go, you know what? That's not really good for my kid. That's not really good for their heart. That's not really good for their future marriage. That's not really good as a building block for their life. Where is the generation that is going to pull back and go, wait a second, we're losing the next generation because we're perverting the hearts of our kids. In primary school, they're teaching sexual perversion to our children. Does anybody care? Does anybody want to say, step up and, and say, hey, to the educators, I don't think this is right. I praise God, even some Christian or some parents that don't go to church are starting to be wise enough to go, hey, I don't really like the fact that educators are trying to steal the heart of my kid to perverse things in ungodliness or teaching them things that they don't need to be thinking about as a child. Just let them have their childhood. Let them have their youth. Uh, where's the generation that would wake up and go, something is wrong here. We honor this ungodliness, but we laugh at God. Oh, for a generation that would look at the cross. Oh, for a generation that would bow the knee. Oh, for a generation that would stop and say, you know what, the most important thing 
in my life is to make sure that my heart is right with my creator, my designer, the God that made me. The Bible says about that, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God designed it. That's why the sun and the moon are, are the certain ratio as far as size, and they're the same ratio as far as distance, so that the moon can perfectly cover the sun. Do you really think today that evolution did that? Do you really believe today that evolution gave you life, gave you breath, gave you personality, gave you individuality? You bow the knee to science today and say, wow, science is incredible. It's created all this and gave us all this intelligence and all the things that we do that are distinctly different from animals. Animals do not have judicial systems. Animals do not have hospitals. Animals do not have a concern about morality. They don't put clothes on. You gotta stop today and go, you know what? I think we're different from animals, kind of like God said. The Bible says that God created us in his image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. Our identity, if somebody today uh, is having an identity crisis and just wondering today, who am I? How do I exist? I'll tell you this, the best place to look is in the Bible. The best thing to do is look at your designer that made you the way that you are, that gave you everything about your being. It would be good for us to say to children that are confused, that are bothered, that are concerned, to say, hey, God made you just that way. Even if you have a handicap, even if you have an infirmity or something, and give them the encouragement that they are designed, that God made them that way for his glory. Praise God today. There's a creator designer. But I can't say even better than that today. There's a Savior. There's a God in heaven that cared enough for us, that saw us defile our heart, defile our life, take that decision to walk away from God, but yet in God's mercy and in God's love, he looked at us and he said, I love you so much, I'm going to take my son, my only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that perfect and holy child that grew up in Nazareth, that perfect and holy child that was a preacher of the kingdom of God and was righteous and healed people and helped people and cared for people. God looks at us today and says, Mike, I love you so much. I take my son, my precious son, and I sacrifice him for you. All people today, they can laugh about the crucifixion, but you wouldn't laugh if you saw it. You wouldn't laugh today if you saw the Son of Man hanging on that cross of shame for your sin. If you saw him stripped naked and his back abused and the crown of thorns put upon him and the spittle dripping off his face and the beard plucked out and the crown of thorns upon his head. His hands nailed to the cross of shame. His feet nailed to that place. And you had to ask yourself, why is it today that the Son of God hangs on that cross of shame? And I'll tell you this, the answer is for you. Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ cares for you today. You might say to me, Ben, God doesn't love me. I'll tell you this. Again, he loved you so much that his son, Jesus Christ, died on that cross for your sin. Again, the word of God says, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. You might think today, I've got to clean up my life for God to accept me. I'll tell you this. The only thing you have to be willing to do is to let God clean up your life. You have to be willing to honestly evaluate your sin honestly look at it and say right i am a sinner i've offended a holy god the punishment for my sin is hell it's eternity in the lake of fire but the son of god loved me so much he died on the cross of shame for my sin he didn't stay in that grave but by the grace of god he rose from the dead through his death he shows that he paid the price for my sin by his life he shows me that he has the power to give me everlasting life Friend, do you have that life today? Do you have Jesus Christ as your Savior? Could you look me in the eye and tell me, Ben, I'm not a perfect man, but by the grace of God, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. Friend, that's the only thing that's going to hold water when you stand before God. So many people today think, right, well, I'm a, even if I don't believe in God, I'm a good person. Well, actually, you might be a nice person, you might be a friendly person, you might be a kind person, but a good person is somebody that has no sin. And so today, I look around, I go, you know what? We're all sinners. That's what the Word of God says. Romans 3.3, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. The problem with that is the punishment for our sin when we stand before God and give an account 
if we stand there in our sin, the only thing that God can say to us is, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. God is not the father of everybody that we see today. He's the creator of everybody. He's the designer of everybody. But he'd have to say this, you're of your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He was a liar from the beginning. And if we evaluate our life and go, you know what, Ben's right. My life's full of ungodliness and wickedness and sin and shame and degradation and things like that. You know what, I'm not really a good person. So if I stood before God and I thought, right, God's going to let me into his heaven because of my goodness, I am very, very, very much deceived. And so what is my hope today? My hope today is Jesus Christ. My hope today is the Son of God. He is righteous, perfectly righteous. He alone could die, not for his own sin, but by the grace of God, for the sins of this world. And friend, he did that. Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus Christ paid the price for that you and I He came to have life. He came to give us that gift of everlasting life. The Bible says it this way, He that hath the Son, Jesus, hath life. He that hath not the Son of God, hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have everlasting life. Friend, if there's a doubt in your heart today that you don't have Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to settle that. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. As a minister, I am very burdened for people. As a minister, I could, if I could do something to save the people that I see today, I would do everything in my power. I would pay everything in my power if I knew that that would ransom your soul from eternity in the lake of fire. But I praise God, there's nothing I can do because Jesus Christ did it all. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid the complete price necessary to appease the wrath of God so that you could be forgiven of your sin. So that you can have God's gift of everlasting life. Well, if you thought today, well, my goodness earns that, what pride is that? To stand before God and say, God, you just, I deserve to go to heaven because I'm a good person. And God would just look at you and say, you know, first of all, you're a wicked sinner. Secondly, my son, Jesus Christ, had to go to that old rugged cross and die for your sin. And because he did that, do you really think, do you really think that your goodness will get you to heaven? Oh, it's only the grace of God today. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's not anything that we can achieve. It's not anything that we can earn. It's only today that when Jesus Christ died, he paid the complete price for our sin. Father, I pray that that message would resonate in the hearts of people today. God, they might be totally away from God, but I pray in your mercy that they recognize that there is a loving God reaching out to them through His Son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for their sin. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Just down here sharing some truth this morning from the Bible. We see about who Jesus Christ is. A lot of people think, well, Jesus was a good man or he's a good prophet. Well, the Word of God actually teaches that Jesus Christ is God. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, you not to bow down to anybody but to God. You'll notice in the scriptures when Jesus Christ healed people, they would bow down and they'd worship him. When he rose from the dead, Mary worshiped him. When he ascended up into glory, the Bible says that the apostles worshiped him. In Hebrews, God commands the angels to worship him. And in the book of Revelation, you see Jesus Christ worship. All of that ought to make us step back and begin to think about who is this man? A lot of people looked at Jesus in his day and they didn't know who he was. If you saw him today, you would, there would be nothing about him that would find striking, that he'd look at him and think, oh, that's him or something like that. Even in his day, he was, I, I guess you could say, an ordinary man that people marveled that he claimed to be who he said he was because he said he was the Christ. The Christ is the Messiah. The Christ is the one that would come and be the deliverer. 
the one that would die for our sins. And, you know, a lot of people looked at Christ and, and uh, they thought you're not who you said you are. In fact, when Jesus Christ died, if you read the story of the crucifixion, they crucified Christ because he claimed to be the Christ. Yet that's exactly who he is today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this cross, came to this world, came to the cross to die for our sin. It's amazing to me today as I look about and I see the people passing by today to think that first of all, God knows you. God knows everything there is about you. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you're saying. God knows what you're doing. It's amazing, secondly, to think that when Jesus Christ died, Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ went to that cross with you on his heart, you on his mind. He understood everything that you've ever done in your life. He knew this, that if you die and you pay for your sins, you'll spend eternity separated from the God that lovingly designed you and made you. A lot of people ask me about hell. What's the worst thing about hell? The worst thing about hell is that God is not there. In this life, no matter how bad life gets, God is always present. God is always here. But when somebody goes to hell, they're separated from God for all eternity. And so actually, today, the worst thing about hell is that God is not here. Secondly, I'd say the worst thing about hell is that it's eternal. It, it's not, uh, there's no opportunity for a do-over. The idea of purgatory that the Catholic Church teaches is found nowhere in the Bible. The idea that Islam teaches that you can go to temporary judgment and then someday get out, again, that's nowhere in the Bible. The Bible speaks about one place called hell, and it's eternal, and God is not there. The third thing I say about hell this morning that ought to make us tremble in fear of a holy God is that hell's a fire. Hell's a fire. It's burning for all eternity. Again, I don't say that this morning to be flippant or to be unkind or to be ungracious. Just to maybe give a little bit of warning to somebody that has ears to hear that would stop and think about that and, and think, right, you know what? I don't really want to go to a place like that. I don't want my family, my husband, my wife, my kids to go to a place like that. I don't want my neighbor to go somewhere like that. So what should I do? Well, can I encourage you this morning to pick up God's, God's word? And begin to read the Bible. A great place to start is the book of John. It says at the end of the book of John, but these are written that he might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, but that believing he might have life through his name. God desires today to bring you to saving faith. God desires to impact your heart in such a way that would begin that journey for you that would take you from point A to point B and get you to glory, but it is not all roads lead to heaven. Our world today wants you to say, oh, all religions are great and that's fine. But I'll tell you this, that's not great and that's not fine. Nobody would say today, you know, that everybody's right. Because truth is one way. Two plus two equals four. Two plus two always equals four. Three plus three always equals six. So the idea that I should say to somebody, hey, your, your two plus three equals four, would be ridiculous. And so as a, as a minister of the Word of God, I can't stand here today and say, hey, all religions are fine. But I'll tell you this, this book is fine. This book is the truth that God has given to us. It's the standard by which we judge religion so that we can think of this book, look at a religion, and say, well, let's just stop and think, what does God say about that? A lot of people today like to uh, say, you can have marriage however you want. Well, God's the lawgiver. And God said he created male and female and said they too shall be one flesh and that they should never divorce, that that's not God's plan, but that it's until death was part. That's what God said. And so I wonder today, who's right, the Scottish government, educators, social media, or God? You know what? I'm just going to side with God. I might be in the minority. I might be just kind of one person, but I'll tell you this. I mean, should I really trust the Scottish government? Should I really trust the educators? Should I really trust them when they're taking a, a, a national norm and changing it to violate the truth of the Word of God, to salve the conscience of the hearts of men that are defiled because they have disobeyed a holy God? Uh, for a generation that would wake up and look at the Bible and say, you know what, I'm just going to be maybe foolish enough to stand with my Creator, just foolish enough to stand with God and say, what does God say about that? 
I praise God. God not only can build a right family, but God can build a strong marriage. God's given us instruction not just for uh, husband and wife, but children and children honoring the parents. Have you noticed that in our generation that young people are very rebellious? Have you noticed that they can't be told? People try to tell them and they laugh and no big deal. And, and there's just a rebelliousness in the hearts of many young people today that it's, it's so hard and so defiled. Does the Bible have any answers to that? Well, it'd be a great thing for some parents to go back to the Word of God and say, what does the book of Proverbs say about parenting? That book that's about wisdom, that book that's about how to, how to live life in the right way, it speaks very clearly about the responsibilities of a parent to instruct the heart of their children. Or for a generation that go back to the, uh, what the Word of God says about teaching the Bible in the home. And, and for some parents to begin to pick up the Bible and say, look, you know what, we're going to read the Word of God tonight. We're going to read about Jesus Christ and the Gospels. We're going to see what God did and begin to understand about Calvary, begin to understand about God's love for us. Well, I praise God today that He does love us. I think that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, but God commended His love for us so that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing to think today that God loves us that much. A lot of people think, oh, God's against me. God never does anything for me. Can I tell you this? That until you are willing to deal with God, you'll shut God away. You'll push God away with your life. But if you'll humble your heart and deal with your sin, that the love of God is there for you, that the hope of God is there for you, that the help of God is there. But this, it's got to be somebody that will seek God. The Bible says, if you seek me, you shall find me. If you search with all your heart. No, where's the person that would just begin to read the Bible? Maybe nobody else would know about it, but would get an app on their phone. You can download it today. It's a free app. You can just put in uh, King James Version Bible. You can download it. You have it on your phone for free. You can begin to listen to it on an audiobook. You can begin to read it yourself and, and begin to just do a little Bible study. Begin to do a little investigation. So many people today, they just tell me, I, I never think about it. I never think about eternity. I never think about God. I never think about the Word of God. Well, you know, I mean, it'd be a great thing to just stop and go, let me study it out. Let me see what the Word of God says. Let me see if it makes sense that there's a creator designer. You know, when you study the Bible and it speaks about God's creation, it's a very easy thing for us today to look around and go, you know what? I see design. I see a God that made all this, that gave us the, the water cycle, the circulatory system, that gave us the, the, the life cycle of reproduction and, and male and female and procreation that God designed. You know what, I see that as viable, where evolution, uh, you can't explain it. Evolution is just kind of like, well, I guess it just worked, you know, but why is it pretty? Why does it taste good? Why does it feel good? Why is there individuality? Why is there personality? And frankly, why is there life? You ask somebody, where did, where did evolution start? Where did life start? They can't answer that. But the Bible answers that. The Bible says in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible has the answer that, that evolution doesn't have, and that is that there is a creator designer. And I'll tell you, it makes a lot of sense. A few nights ago, there was a blue moon. And it hasn't happened for so many years. And everybody knows when it's going to happen, why it's going to happen. Why? Because it's, it's more precise than a clock. It's more precise than, you know, the, the best human instrumentality that we can uh, create. That is, uh, you know, we got atomic clocks and things like that. But this, the universe is so much more uh, 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 timely than the fact that 24 hours in a day and 365 days in a year and how that all works out. And by the way, a seven-day week, which is how God created, the Bible says God created in six days. The seventh day, He rested. And there ought to be people that would pause it and think about that and say, you know what, I get that. I actually see that. And you know what? When I look in the mirror, I don't think this happened. I don't, I don't, I don't think today, as I look at people that explode in nature, 
we're all the same, two hands, two feet, one nose, two ears, one mouth. I mean, we're all the same all the way around the planet. If evolution was true, there'd be three-armed people, four-legged people. I mean, that would be normal, not not what we would call you know, a mutation or something like that. That would be normal because that's evolution. It's random. But I'll tell you this, that's not the way it is because there's a creator designer. There's a God that made us. If evolution is true, how did we go from uh, primitive riding horses to supersonic jets, from primitive medicine a hundred years ago to incredible gene therapy, from primitive technology to incredible face time and things like that? That's a hundred years. Evolution says millions and millions and millions of years. A hundred years is a blip on the radar of evolution, but in the scope of this word that says 6,500 years, it makes sense in the last hundred years when mankind needs it, that God has given us the information that we need for life. All those things ought to make somebody pull back and stop and think. Think about this book that's been translated into more languages than any other book. That's outsold every book every year. That is accepted by mankind as the word of God. A book that can be slandered, but not just proven. A book that they say this legends, Chinese whispers, and stories, but they cannot take this book and disprove it because it's accurate prophetically, it's accurate historically, it's accurate scientifically, it's accurate in every single way, and it continues to prove itself again and again. It was not written in hindsight, it was written in foresight. You study the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation speaks about our time period. It speaks about the last days. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, despisers of those that are good. Our generation mocks uh, the idea of marriage. Our generation mocks the idea of the sanctity of life. Our generation mocks the idea of sexual purity. We live in a generation that is deeply ungodly, and the Bible says about the last days, that's the way it's going to be. Why? Because our generation has turned its back on God. But I'll tell you today, God has not turned his back on this generation. God has not done saving souls. God has not done changing lives. The God of heaven desires today to give you hope. The God of heaven desires to give you forgiveness. He desires to give that in his son, Jesus Christ. A lot of people at their funeral, they like to have that song read, The Lord is my shepherd. The problem with that is that probably, chances are, the Lord was not their shepherd. And it's a precious psalm and it's full of meaning for somebody that knows God, for somebody that has a personal relationship with God. But the thing is, you've got to know that the Lord is your shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know that they follow me, Jesus said. All you have to do today is look at your life and say, is my life following Jesus? Is my life following the good shepherd? Am I dealing with my sin as a good shepherd intends me to? Am I right with God as a good shepherd intends me to be? And if not, I'll tell you this, you can't say today, the Lord is my shepherd. God desires you to say that. Oh, it's a precious song, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And went to God that everybody on the street today should say that precious psalm and say, that's me, Ben, that's my life with God. I'm following the good shepherd. But I'll tell you again, very sadly today, most people, if they said, the Lord is my shepherd, would be lying. Oh, it'd be easy to evaluate that again. Just look at your life. Are you in the house of God on the Lord's Day? Are you reading the Word of God? Are you dealing with sin in your life? Are you are you dealing with ungodliness that's in your home? Wicked music, wicked telling, wicked drink, wicked drugs, uh, cigarettes, immorality, all the ungodliness that is in our lives. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And if I'm not walking in the paths of righteousness, very sadly today, I'm not walking after Jesus Christ. That's a problem. Why? Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Nobody today is going to heaven because they are religious. 
Nobody today is going to heaven because they've been Christian. Nobody today is going to heaven because they're a good person. The only people today on the street that are going to heaven are those who have Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things that are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have everlasting life. Well, friend, do you know that today? Has there ever been a time in your life that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there ever been a time in your life where you bowed the knee and you looked at the cross and you understood that Jesus Christ died, that he paid the price for you, that he suffered the shame and the, the pain and the, and the awfulness of Calvary? He did that because he loved you. That he didn't stay in the grave. But that by the grace of God, he walked out of there on the third day. As the angel said, he's not here, for he has risen as he said. I praise God today. Whatever Jesus says is true. Whatever Jesus says is true. This book is Jesus' book. This book, authored by the Holy Spirit of God, is Jesus' book. It speaks about Jesus from beginning to end. It testifies about who he is. It testifies about what he's done. It tells us about the way, the only way to heaven. The Bible says there's no other name given amongst men whereby they must be saved. Oh, today, again, it's not a religion. It's not christening. It's not going to church. It's not stopping bad habits in your life. So that would be great. That would be good. Stop the drugs. Stop the drink. Stop the immorality. That's good. But I'll tell you this. That doesn't merit favor with God. That does not get us a place in heaven. It does not take away our sin. The Bible says, Though thou wash thee with neither, and take thee much so. Yet thine iniquity is what before me, saith the Lord. All have sinned, but short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And so the Bible speaks very clearly about the defiled condition of the human heart. And if we are to stand before God today, we fall on our face ashamed of the deep ungodliness that is in our life. But God desires to do something about that. God desires to the cross to take that away. God says it this way, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It doesn't matter today what sin is in your life, whether it's lies, adultery, fornication, uh, murder, taking the life of a child, or anger, hatred, bitterness, or any sin that you've ever committed. There's a God in heaven that through the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can wash your heart clean. Praise God for his power. It's amazing today. There was a thief on the cross by Jesus. When Jesus died, that man repented of his sin, looked at Christ, and he said, Lord, remember me in paradise. Jesus looked at him and said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't get off that cross and join the church. He didn't get off that cross and be Christian. He didn't do anything except acknowledge his sin and put his faith in the Son of God that was dying on that cross of shame beside him. And Jesus said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. If you're a believer today, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God has the power today to take you into an immediate relationship with Him so that when you die by the grace of God, you're not waking in hell. You're not waking in a burning for all eternity separated from God. But by the grace of God, you'll walk in the glory and you'll see your Savior, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for you to be forgiven. I'll praise God for the Son of God today. Praise God for His power. Praise God for His love. I praise God today for the Holy Spirit, the convictor of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. I praise Him that though somebody may try to get those words out of their heart and out of their mind, I'll say this, one of the greatest witnesses to the truth of what's being preached today is that the Spirit of God can echo the Word of God in the hearts of those that hear it because the Spirit of God is faithful and because God is merciful. Because God does not want you to die and spend eternity away from Him. The greatest desire in the heart of God today is that souls will get saved. The greatest desire in the heart of God is that this nation would repent. The greatest desire in the heart of God is that this city in mass would get on its knees before a holy God and recognize that there's a God in heaven. That someday they're going to stand before and give an account. That they're going to bow the knee before Jesus Christ, before whom the Bible says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. Or would to God today that we see the hearts of men bow before Almighty God. That we see Jesus Christ come before him. Yes, we've come to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. We've come to the days of great ungodliness. We've come to the days of sexual perversion and great wickedness and the hardness of men rewriting laws to justify the ungodliness that's in their life and getting educators to justify them and science to justify them and the government to justify them. But I'll tell you this, they are not justified in the sight of a holy God any more than this preacher and my sin and the ungodliness that has been in my life. Every single sin that we've ever committed when we stand before God, God will see that sin and God will judge us accordingly. So what do we need? We need to recognize sin for what it is. We need to be a generation that gets the fear of God in our hearts. Why? Because the Bible says about the wicked, there is no fear of God before their eyes. One thing I know about those that mock God, those that despise God, those that curse God, they do not have the fear of God in their life. They, they are wicked because God's word says they are wicked. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. You might say, me, Ben, that's pretty harsh preaching. You know, I'm just a messenger. The Word of God says that. Why does it say that? Because somebody that says there is no God has pushed away from them the only hope of salvation, the only hope of forgiveness of sin, the only hope of the mercy of God. Oh, shut up. The sad thing is this. We stand in a generation that in mass has turned its back on God, in mass has stood up and said, there is no God. I don't care about God. They damn God and don't know that someday they're going to stand before the damnation of a holy God. Or for a generation that would get on their knees. Or for a generation of believers that, that would rise up and look at the Word of God and get in the fear of God and see this generation on their way to hell that would weep in prayer and begin to beg God in His mercy to save them. The Bible says, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go in there at narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. See there be that find it. There's going to be very few people that will tell you you're wise to pick up a Bible. Very few people that tell you you're wise to go to a good church that believes the Bible. Very few people that would say, base your marriage on the Bible. Base your family on the Bible. Base Face your, your social interaction on the Bible, but I'll tell you this, this is the foundation. This book is the foundation for life. I met a man the other day, he said, man, I'm trying to rebuild my life. I've known him for years. I'm encouraging him to, to come to church. I'm encouraging him to get saved. He said, I gotta kind of get my life right, then I'll come to church. I'll tell you this, don't wait, don't put it off. Why, because this is what you need. This is where it's at. I praise God for people that can get off of drugs without God, get off of alcohol without God, make a better family without God. I praise God for that, except for this. If they think they can do it on their own and never have God, just having a good life is not enough. It's not enough to be a good husband. It's not enough to be a good mom. It's not enough to be a kind person. What we need is a soul cleansing that makes us right with God. Gets us right with God. Oh, the only way is Jesus Christ. The only way is the cross. The only way is the old uh, way, the path that is tried, the path that is true. You know, here in Edinburgh, there's this, a church at the far end of Princess Street that had revival back in the early 1900s. The Edinburgh newspaper reported about that. You know, the, the redeemed drunkards band was on the street again tonight. A religion that can make drunkards into loving fathers and good husbands is a religion worth having. Oh, I echo that today. What we're preaching today is not religion. What we're preaching today is not a changing your life by your self-motivation. It's about getting God in your life, about letting God not change you from the outside in, but from the inside out through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that died on the cross for your sin. Again, I praise God for that precious Son. I praise Him for His love. I praise Him for His mercy. I praise Him for His grace. I thank Him today that He knows you. He loves you. He cares about you. He died for you. He can save you. 
He has the power. People can mock it, they can laugh at it. They did at Jesus Christ as he stood on the cross for their sin. As he pushed himself up to breathe, as he suffered in agony, they laughed at him. They said, if you're the Son of God, come down. If you're the Son of God, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, who you say you are, let him save himself. See, he said he would die and rise again. Let's see that happen. You know, all those things, they mocked him, they cursed him. That might be you today. But I'll tell you this about the cross. Jesus looked at them. He said, Father, forgive them. But they know not what they did. Again, friend, I look at you today. You may never have gone to church, but it's not too late to go find God. You might never have read a Bible, but it's not too late to pick up a Bible and read it. You may have never done anything to instruct your family in religion, true religion, and undefiled that the Bible speaks about. But I'll tell you this, it's never too late to pick up God's book. Father, I pray for your mercy for Edinburgh today. I wish I could preach all day. I know other people wish I'd stop. But Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the grace that you gave. I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for your power to save souls. God, I commit the preaching of the word of God to you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.